the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's management, Max Out Savings Advisors, or its sponsors. Max Out Savings Advisors and members of the Max Out Savings team may or may not hold securities mentioned during the show. Plan for your prosperity. Prepare for your retirement. Safeguard your savings. And nurture your investments. This is the Max Out Savings Show with Ted Gioka, a presentation of Max Out Savings Advisors. Now, here's your host from Max Out Savings Advisors, Ted Gioka. Good Saturday morning and welcome to the Max Out Savings Show. We're talking savings investments in your retirement on the Max Out Savings Show, one of Houston's longest running financial shows. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the markets. We're going to be talking about what's happening uh, in the world. And we're going to be talking about your savings in your retirement. So this is a live show and you can call us at any time at 713-339-1070. That's 713 713- Three three nine ten seventy, and uh, or you can listen live by going to am ten seventy the answer dot com and listen live anywhere in the world. And we've got actually lots and lots of listeners that listen now on the internet platform. So uh, if you if you can say if you can, you're not in the car, you can listen there. The uh, another big week uh, uh, on Wall Street and another big week with uh, markets and another big week with the economy. And, uh, you know, we, we had, interestingly enough, we had 3.9% unemployment this week, which the economy is starting to accelerate and which is good for the markets and, and good for what's happening, uh, out there in general. And I mean, it's nice to see that we're seeing unemployment. 3.9% is really an amazing number, uh, overall. And, it, it it really shows you really uh, it, it was in the fours that the Fed thought four point five percent was full unemployment in full employment and we're we're going up we're at three point nine we're at record low uh, record low uh, uh, unemployment for African Americans record low unemployment for Mexican Americans I mean these are huge numbers across the board uh, you know the record number of, of of people employed in this country now in which is exciting and and so we're starting to see wage growth for the first time in a long time we're starting to see bonuses come in because of the Trump tax cuts and uh, and, and so things are, are doing well and, and it's exciting time some of the I really think it, it has a lot to do with the, with the policies where people are becoming more optimistic about the economy and about their future and, um, and and so these are these are I think very exciting times. The 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 GDP number for the first quarter wasn't real good. In the most recent, the most recent uh, jobs growth number wasn't that great. Well, I started thinking about a couple thoughts. If you're at three point nine percent unemployment, that means you're having trouble in in talking to people. You, you get. You know, I can't tell you how many business owners tell me they're having trouble finding workers. And so if you if you're at three point nine percent unemployment and you can't find workers, it's hard to create more jobs because there's not that many workers. And uh, and the second part of that is 
Just last week, it was snowing in the Midwest and Northeast, so it's been a lousy winter for them up there. They've had a lot of late late uh, winter snowstorms up there, and that slows down economic activity. And uh, so you're getting less people shopping, less people out there building. People are taking off because they can't get to work. And so I think that I think the the slowdown in the first quarter, I think we'll see that pick up a little bit after that. And, and so, but these are. Exciting numbers. Uh, we had a Federal Reserve meeting this week, and the Federal Reserve is, is keeping the Fed funds rate one and a half, one and three quarters range. Uh, for now, we'll, we'll see. But rates are going up. Short-term rates are continuing to move higher. Long-term rates bounced off of 3%. I think they're going to hold there. We have very high level of short interest in the bonds, and they're going to kind of work that off probably before we go over 3%. But we have an accelerating economy. We have wage growth. We have near record unemployment. Uh, the labor market is tight. Uh, we're seeing a lot of, uh, this is the last couple of weeks has been earnings uh, for the first quarter. We listened to a number of earnings calls. A lot of the calls, uh, the price of uh, fuel is going up. Uh, the, the They're having trouble uh, hiring workers. Uh, we're good wage increases. The uh, we, we We're having things that are delayed. We can't get our products moved because the, the railroad, we can't get on the railroads or that there's a shortage of trucks and truckers. Now, some people will say this is transient and, and it's not any big deal for inflation. And, and that's going to eventually, that's always the case. And we've had inflation. So uh, I, I think we're starting to see the financial economy. We're morphing. One of our big themes in the Max Out Savings Show for the last quarter, almost six months, is really we're moving from a financial economy to a real world economy where the, 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 the health of the United States of America is measured not by the, 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 the price of assets on Wall Street, but in the number of jobs we create, in the number of manufacturing programs we do, in the number of uh, of factories we put in, in how much research and development we're now realizing, you know, they, that 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 we you know we we we've not really we we've let a lot of people take advantage of us to, to the expense of the American people, and, and so that that has been kind of a really big thing that 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 has happened. Uh, and so I think we want to kind of continue to watch this and see what's going to happen. The uh, but but things are starting to change. We're getting tough on China, and uh, really uh, for for the uh, the first time in a long time, we really we really have seen uh, the United States get tough on China. One of the great things Donald Trump did was, and the reason the reason he is president of the United States is one reason is. He vowed to fight for the working people in this country. He went up to the Midwest and said, look, I will fight for you. And he sat there. He went and filled up football stadiums and said, look, I'll fight for you. And they believed it. And that's what he's done. He's getting tough on China. I mean, the the thing that's interesting and one of the things that some big things happened this week and we're going to be discussing in the show. And one of them is really there seems to be a real sea shift in China by the establishment up in Washington and in New York City is that they're now kind of they're understanding that the policy that was put in place since the Nixon administration of an open door policy with China, opening China up and China becoming one of the world leaders to be part of the global community, becoming more open, uh, you know, creating uh, good markets for the United States of America. They were going to import their products. Their economy is going to grow. We were going to grow. It was going to become more, you know, communist light in a more free market. 
They're not realizing that policy has been an abject failure the whole time China has played the United States for some fools in, in basically going after one sector of the market after another to get more and more jobs for the Chinese people, which you, you really have to respect the Chinese people because the Chinese government and the Communist Party will fight for Chinese workers, they will fight for jobs, and they will fight for the, for the standard of living of the Chinese people. I listened to uh, someone wrote a book on a uh, what her name was on the uh, she was one of the members of the Council of Foreign Relations on China. He said, "Look, one of the imperatives of, the, of the China is the government is they want to create more jobs for their people, increase their standard of living. Nobody can fault them for that. The the the, the, the absolutely remarkable thing about that statement is." Why is that not the policy of the United States of America? And it was not until Donald Trump came into office. The policy was, you know, we're a global community. We're going to allow unlimited uh, immigrants to come in. Uh, Anyone can import anything to the United States as long as you, you know, pay off certain people in Washington, D.C. through lobbyists or other things and hire the right people. You can get your things in. And and nobody was there to fight for the American people. And and finally, Donald Trump came in and did that. And and I respect him for that. I don't always agree with what Donald Trump says or how he does it, but he's fighting for the American people. And I think he should be setting an example for the Republican and the Democratic Party on, on how you govern a country, which basically, if both parties would go back to politics 101, going back to ancient Greece through almost every country on planet Earth, that that's how how you govern a country. And in and, and this new world order uh, pl- has been put in place by this Davos crowd and in particularly moved forward by George Soros has been a disaster for the United States of America. And, and so things are changing. And what I heard this week for the first time was, I listened to a number of, of, of politicians really start going after China, and and not in an unfair way, but just laying out the case. I, uh, Senator Rubio in Florida did a remarkable job. One of the senators out of uh, uh, Louisiana did a remarkable job on climate change, and why aren't we talking about the pollution coming out of China? Uh, finally, these people are standing up. For, for the American people. And, and, and so this is reason this is good is it's going to create more jobs for working people in this country. It's going to grow our U.S. economy and it's going to help out the American people. And so this is this is something that that in, in, in this is going to extend the runway for, for the United States economy going forward. And so this is something that we want to really look at, understand. And and, and I think I, I think it's important. I think if, if he hadn't done it, if Hillary would have won, I mean, I'm not, this is no knock on Hillary. I think if anyone else would have won, they would not have stood up with China. And probably in about another four or five years, they would realize that China was end up controlling the majority of industry in the world. And our companies would have been second rate because they their because their products, their inventions, and their technology have been stolen and co opted by the Chinese, and they'd used it against us. And we've become we would be like Europe, and they would be like the United States. You have to fight for your country, and you have to fight for your people. And, and we're finally starting to do that. And you're seeing this shift where it's okay to talk about China on, on TV. Too many of these, too many of these news organizations and media groups were afraid to criticize China because they were trying to get into China. We, you know, Hollywood, Hollywood is more and more putting together movies in their, in their, running through the idea, we don't want to insult China, we want to make it for the Chinese market. You know who's not doing that? I'll tell you who's not doing that. Netflix. Why isn't Netflix doing that? Netflix is making shows that the American people like, other people in the world like, Europeans like, but 
Why aren't they doing that for China? Because they're not allowed into China. So this gives them an edge because they're not being influenced by China. That here was the deal. You want to do business in China, you're going to do business on China's terms, and then you're going to change your policies for doing business in the United States to suit China's terms. That's the CEOs that made those deals betrayed the United States of America, and it's very disappointing. That's starting to change. The American people have woken up, and the establishment in, in Washington has woken up. The Republicans are starting to wake up, and the Democrats are ever slowly starting to wake up to, to the dangers and, and the need to sit there and make sure the United States is the preeminent country that ex, ex, that exports democracy, freedom, and capitalism around the world. Or one day are we going to be look up and we're going to be the last bastion and everyone else is going to be a hardline communist country backed by China. That, that my friend, is the battle going forward. And, and, and I think we're finally starting to, people have opened their eyes. The scales have fallen from their eyes, fallen from their eyes. And, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, like Paul on the road to Damascus, and they understand what, we, what, what is happening to the country and things are starting to change. Now, it's not going to be easy to deal with China, but I think it's something we'll get through. And I think eventually we can work with the Chinese. I understand, you know, part of this is our fault for not standing up and believing in the United States. And, and so it's going to take some time. It's, I think China's going to be a rougher road to deal with than people think. Uh, and so we'll just see, have to see how this plays out. And this is not a positive for the markets at all in any case. So anyway, uh, big change. Big change. One of the big changes this week, the policy is really starting to shift and people are really starting to understand what's going on in China. And you're starting to seem to talk about it in the media for the first time in an honest way. Uh, so we'll see where we go from here. Tell you what, if you got any questions or comments, particularly about your 401k, your IRA plan, give us a call at 713-339-1070 right here on the Max Out Savings Show. If you've got savings and investment questions, Ted Gioka has answers. Call the Max Out Savings Show now at 713-339-1070. We'll be right back. This is Ted Gioka, host of the Max Out Savings Show, one of Houston's most popular financial radio shows, celebrating over a decade on the air in Houston, Texas. With stocks at record high valuations and interest rates near record lows, you need to have your guard up. You need to have a plan to manage risk to your retirement. Do you? At Max Out Savings Advisors, we have a risk-based value investing approach to your retirement. If you would like some help managing your retirement, go to MaxOutSavings.com to set up an appointment. That's MaxOutSavings.com. Downtime with your family? That's good. Downtime for your hydraulics-enabled equipment? Not so good. Cranes, specialized haulers, bucket and digger trucks. When they're not working, you're losing ground and money. South Coast Hydraulics can monitor, service, and repair the hydraulic systems that keep your equipment working. South Coast can design and install hydraulic systems for mobile and industrial applications, tool or press systems, complete manufacturing lines. When you think hydraulics, think South Coast Hydraulics. SCHydraulics.com. Hi, I'm Sam Malone. You know me as the host of the morning show right here on AM 1070, The Answer. But I'm also the owner of Houston's cutting-edge media company called 512 New Media. At 512 New Media, we create amazing videos the companies use on their websites, telling their story in bold colors with exciting animation and graphics. At 512 New Media, we also shoot television commercials and instructional videos. And if you want to show off your business from the air, we're ready to go with our drone video aircraft. 
Let us help you create your media message. We're online at 512newmedia.com or call 281-822-8803. 512New Media is Houston's only media creation and distribution company that's actually owned by someone who's currently on the air. And that gives us an incredible edge when creating content for consumers to use on their laptops, tablets, and smartphones. Standing by to create your message for 512 New Media, 512NewMedia.com. Once again, here's your host for the Max Out Saving Show, Ted Gioka. Welcome back to the Max Out Saving Show. We're talking savings investments in your retirement. Uh, the couple uh, earnings this week, uh, listen to a lot of the calls. Uh, earnings came in. Some of the companies missed. Some of them didn't. I uh, saw an interesting story on Exxon in a Barron's this week in they like Exxon. Uh, you know, Exxon is cheap. I mean, Exxon hasn't gone anywhere in a while, and it's been very frustrating. Uh, a couple things that are happening with Exxon. Uh, the, you know, a lot of the other oil stocks have gone up about 25%, and Exxon really hasn't gone anywhere. One thing Exxon did is they stopped their buyback program and are investing more back into the company. And this is interesting. On, on a number of levels. The stock hasn't performed as well because of that. But Exxon, Exxon tends to look, Exxon's kind of like China. They they take a, a, a 10 and 20 year view into the future, uh, which if you're a really big company, you have to do that. And, and I, I really respect Exxon for that. And uh, so, but by cutting back the stock buyback program, it, it hurt their performance to some extent. And I tell you what, this is a real warning sign for the stock market, in my opinion, is is these companies are engaged in these massive stock buyback programs. Once the stock buyback programs end, the performance is really going to drop on the stock price. And the problem a lot of these companies are running into, and we're writing some on this about the max out saving report, is they're really starting to ramp up debt in corporate America. I mean, the debt levels in corporate America have really gone up. A number of companies we we own have recently purchased other companies, and I'm really not too happy about it. I think these people are really trying to just do something. I'm kind of concerned some of them are overpaying a little bit. Uh, but just with the need to do something. And and so uh, it, that's been disappointing to me, but there's just been huge amounts of merger transaction as CEOs are desperate to get earnings growth at any cost. And then they're buying back stock because they can pick up another 2 or 3% there, which it worked real well. And listeners, long-time listeners, the Max Out Savings, look, this goes back to years ago when I would sit and talk to analysts and they were like, Ted, hey, this company is at $20.00. They have $10 a share in cash. They're earning 16% return on equity, uh, $10 share net of debt, which means it's more cash than debt in the company. Why aren't they buying stock? The stock's trading at 10 times earnings. They get 16% return in equity. They got a mountain of cash. They should be buying back stock. And and, and companies resisted. They weren't going to do it. We don't do that. We don't buy back stock. In uh and one of the things that used to be, they, they, the, they, the rules were much more stringent because because the SEC and the government viewed stock buyback programs as, as a potential way to manipulate stocks. That's a true story. And so 
those that kind of went away. The laws changed, and now you have companies with six, seven percent return on equity, eight percent return on equity, trading at twenty-five times earnings with big levels of debt in the company taking on more debt to buy back stock. That's not a good investment. Now you're picking up a couple percent uh, earnings growth because you're you're uh, you're reducing your share count, but your debt level is going up. In, in in a lot of cases in these companies. And, and so their debt levels, they've been buying back stock for two or three years at a very aggressive pace. Their debt levels are starting to go up and up and up. And so Exxon is really materially, materially more conservative than most companies out there. About a year ago said, look, we're going to cut back the, uh, I don't remember, maybe six months ago, we're going to cut back the stock buyback program. And the stock dropped off and hasn't performed as well. And this is a warning sign for a lot of other companies that have a heck of a lot more debt than Exxon does. They're going to be in real trouble the next time the economy turns around. All you've got to do is look at Dell Computer, bought a ton of stock at $35, $40 a share, gets taken over ultimately. Michael Dell basically steals the company for, what, $15, $16 a share. That's one of the greatest buyback, you know, private takeover deals in history. He made a fortune on it. Uh, but they they were loaded down with debt at the top, and then they couldn't afford the debt at the bottom because of what they did. Same thing with General Electric. Bought a ton of stock at $25, spent billions and billions and billions of dollars of stocks at $14. That's what's going to future of a lot of these high-debt companies that are massively buying back stock. So you want to be with more conservative companies in your portfolio that don't have a lot of debt. The And, uh, and so we can go with the uh, thing... The uh, if you got any questions, by the way, if you got any questions or comments, some people are calling in. Uh, try again seven one three 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 nine ten seventy. Sorry, we missed some calls there. Uh, so big big debt levels. Too many companies are buying back too much stock, and they're using debt to do it. It's becoming a problem, and this has artificially pushed the pri- market price of the of the the stock market up. This is a concern. Now the debt levels are too high. This is going to get pulled back some. So. Uh, Something to sit there and and and, wa- and watch here. Uh, getting over to Exxon, you know, the, uh, Barron's made a really good case for for Exxon is coming back. They're planning to grow the company over time. Over the next five and ten years, are going to grow production. And if you look at the price of Exxon, Exxon's always traded at premium. Right now, it's at about sixteen times earnings, which isn't. A, I don't think this is a super high. This is not peak earnings for Exxon. A lot of companies on the S&P 500 right now are at peak earnings. They they basically have squeezed as much earnings power as they can out of their companies, and they're trading at 25, 30 times earnings. Exxon's about 16 and a half times earnings uh, based on 2018. Uh, BP's at 15 times earnings. Uh, Chevron is at 18 times earnings. Uh, Conoco is at 19 times earnings. And Royal Dutch Shell is at 13.9 times earnings. And, and Exxon's got a 4.3% dividend. So Exxon's a pretty reasonably priced stock in this market, which something I don't I can't remember ever being able to say something like that uh, about Exxon. So it's something to think about. Uh, Exxon's gotten cheap. Uh, Shell is at a cheaper PE, but they got I think they got more debt. Uh, and, and they all, they're paying off more dividend. They're paying a lot more dividend. Exxon's trying to reinvest in the company. I think the energy business is going to continue to evolve in the future. 
But I, I, I think it's interesting that Exxon is now a reasonably priced company, lower than most stock PE and most companies out there. And actually, it, it, it's, it's in the middle of the pack of PE ratio, which is extraordinary for the oil and gas sector. Something to think about. Tell you what, let's take a call from Oscar. Good morning, Oscar. Hey, good morning, Ted. You know, the whole world is awash in Argentina. You know, what's what that, 40? Now it's 40% uh, percent interest rates over there. Yeah. You know, the, the, the thing is that the whole world, how can we have, going forward here, all over the world, how can we have growth without without uh, liquidity? I mean, gr- this debt worldwide all over the world, including us in China, who, how, how can this world go forward with 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 no liquidity, either we have liquidity or we don't to go forward. The world debt is going to suck up all the liquidity going forward. Uh, there's something, there's something that's not making any sense here. What's what's your assessment of that? Oh, look, Oscar, I, I think you hit the nail on the head of, of what really where we're going. And the question is, how how where do, how do we get there? Uh, in in Look, Argentina this week had to raise rates up to 40% overnight rate or something. They're tr- desperately trying to defend the peso. What's happened is the dollar over the last month has really started to, to rise, and it's put a lot of, of emerging markets uh, kind of behind the eight ball as money is pouring out of those markets because the dollar's going up. And, and again, it gets back to this lack of liquidity in massive amounts of debt all over the world. The, the, I mean, the, the debt levels, debt levels have grown 40% since, in 2009, the financial system of the United States was on the point of collapsing over the weekend. The Federal Reserve comes in Monday morning with a half a trillion dollars of money here in the United States. And if we look at Europe, they probably pumped in a trillion over the next couple of months uh, to stabilize the financial system from collapsing, which means your bank would have, would have closed and commerce would have ground to a halt. Okay. Since that time, debt is going up 40%, which is a remarkable uh, remarkable statistic. It, after the Depression, people, it took them, it took, I talked to people 40 years, 50 years after the Depression, 40, 50 years after the Depression, they would not invest in stocks because what had happened in the Depression. And here we had a collapse of debt in the United States, and nine years later, corporate executives all over Wall Street are levering up as much as they can, like this can never happen again. It's going to happen again. Uh, it, it manifest, it's going to manifest itself in the emerging market, just as it did in uh, 1997, 98 with Thailand. But what was your question? Well, the thing is, uh, Deutsche Bank might go under. I mean, it's, it's going to. I mean, Deutsche Bank is the world's biggest bank, and it's, it's going to be insolvent. I mean, there's almost no doubt about it. So, if if Dutch bank, uh, Deutsche Bank goes under, I mean, there goes Europe. But really, yeah, yeah. Europe's know, in uh, trouble. The, the what? Europe's in trouble. They t- ten years after this, so they've not recovered at all. Yeah, and the, and the thing is. And people say, you know, I hear commentators say, well, we're in the seventh inning of this growth thing, or of, of this bull market. We might be in the 14th in, inning in, in, in <laughs> overtime. You know, they always use this the seventh inning thing. I never heard of you say uh, we're in the ninth inning or the 11th inning. No, we could be in the 14th inning of this thing here, like happened in 208. We were in the 14th inning, and people say, well, we're in the 7th inning or 8th inning, right? Yeah, hopefully we're not in the 8th or ninth inning no, of the no, Astros no, no, game but, with the Yankees the other day. But, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. They're using these metaphors, you know, or these, and, and the thing is, but going back 
to the overall picture of what's going on on the world. And, 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 and it's hard to understand where the world growth is going to go uh, with this kind of scenario, you know, and whether it's China. China's way over leveraged. The Japanese are way over leveraged. And, and the thing is, for us to have any kind of a, 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 I mean, there's nothing out there that you can, these short-term things that people talk about all these times, you know, these, these well, you know, what the market did a quarter ago, what the market did a quarter ago has nothing to do with going to go forward with this thing here. And people, you know, keep thinking that the next two, three quarters are going to be the same as a quarter ago. And it might not be the case, right? Well, yeah, look, uh, there's some really smart people out there that really think that this thing is over or close to it right now. Yeah. And you're really seeing them starting to pull money out, pulling liquidity out. And, and look, we're very cautious right now. We pulled, we pulled a lot of money out of uh, – we're raising a lot of cash for our clients. We think there's a tremendous amount of risk. Is there a possibility this thing has one more huge surge up to the upside? Hey, yeah. But, hey, Ted, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. I'm from California, and I, well, I, used, I used to do real estate up there. Mm-hmm. And I've been to two or three busts and booms over there. There's a, there's a, okay, the real estate thing over there, fixer-uppers are going for one, two-point million dollars, just like they were before the crash in California. The fixer-uppers are, you know, in a good area, supposedly. Uh, they don't fetch up more than, than uh, four, uh, $4,000 a month as far as uh, the, the least value of these properties. We have the same shades that's going on in 206, 207 in California and certain pockets of the United States, you know. Yes, Seattle. We're the same dangerous thing that we're, we're, we're real estate, you know, just completely collapsed. What kind of foolish bank would go for a fixer-upper and loan a million dollars? And they're doing it right now even. No, and wait, yeah, no, look, I mean, yeah, that, that's what you're seeing out there. And the way you do this is you is you pull back and you force people to put up 20 or 30 percent down and but yeah, instead we're seeing but a lot of loans. Five percent going to go under. Yeah. That that thing is ever leveraged two or three times what it's supposed to be. That fixer upper is not worth one point two million. It, it might be worth three hundred thousand or four hundred thousand. Yeah, I swear, yeah, I I, th- I think you're right. Uh, look, I mean, clearly real estate is 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 a problem, particularly on the West Coast in particular. Uh, and this is I don't think we, we're going to see a just. In in oh seven and oh eight, we said there was going to be a housing collapse. We said that, that Wall Street was going to fail because of it, because of the housing problems in in the balance sheets caused that that enabled the housing problems levered up on Wall Street. We detailed how it was going to happen at least nine months before it happened. No one even everyone thought it was crazy. This time, I I, I think it's going to be a couple of things. It's going to be some other country having probably a currency problem. The other thing where I really see the big problem now is corporate America has got themselves way over indebted for what they do. And we go in the next slowdown, they're going to be in trouble. And rather than becoming indebted to to uh, put a new p- plan in, to put a new process line in, to to put a new oil field in. Many of these companies have become indebted just so they can buy back stock, which I think was at very high prices. And it wasn't like, hey, it's this is 2009. We can buy our stock at, at 20-year lows. Let's take up some leverage and take a risk. These people are buying at the top. I think that's where the problem is. I think the problem is in China. And, and so, yeah, I, I don't think it's so much the U.S. consumer, by the way. But I, I understand your points. Thank you very much. I, 
you oh, know, I, like Oscar, I said, you, yeah, you, go you're, ahead. You're a reasonable guy, and there's a lot of unreasonable things going on up in the world that it, it just doesn't make. If you think about it, they just don't make any sense. Well, the, uh, the reason why is because the unreasonable people, you know, they come up with one stupid thing after another, and all their problems get, their mistakes get papered over, and then they they become emboldened, and that's what we're dealing with here. Thank you, Ted. Thank. Good. Good question, Oscar. Uh, oh, by the way, Oscar. Uh, we have uh, in, a, in in two weeks, I think uh, we we've got Nomi Prines on, uh, who who's got her new book on how central bankers rigged the world collusion. Uh, it's out now, and so I'm pretty excited about uh, Nomi's new book. Uh, and, and so we're going to be discussing that more. But uh, look, I mean, I think this is really the central bankers are the people that created this massive debt bubble, this massive liquidity uh, that's out there, and I think it's a real problem. And one other thing about liquidity. The market this week, it it, it went down, and uh, it went down, and the S and P five hundred went, got within, uh, it, it went and broke. We've been talking about the twenty six hundred levels, a huge thing for for the S and P five hundred, um, and the two hundred day moving average, which is going up some. It, it's it's about twenty twenty seven oh five. I'm I'm sorry twenty. Uh, 20, around 2610 in that area, give or take, 2615. It went under and went down and touched the 200-day the moving average at 2615 on Thursday. And then all it went up, broke underneath it, broke underneath 2600 uh, fractionally. And this is a line in the sand we've been warning you about. Look out if it gets underneath that. And then, and then all of a sudden, about 1115, 1015 Houston time, uh, it stopped. Now, what was said was is that Munchen or, or, or actually some one of the trade representatives th- said things were going relatively well in China. But I heard another thing on CNBC that there was a five and a half billion dollar uh, futures program. They were selling five hundred five five point five billion dollars, five point five billion dollars worth of futures. It started early morning, you know, well before dawn. It, it was in Europe. So it was two, three in the morning. They started selling these futures and drove the market down and they stopped at 1015, probably around the time the European markets closed. And that caused the market to plunge three, three, four hundred points. Here's the problem with that was is simply this: this market was close to breaking down, and if that futures program would have kept up, it would have, once it would have gotten under twenty six hundred in a mature way, it would have started really accelerating down. They stopped it. The, the problem was, and what shocked that some of the people they were talking was, is this was only five and a half billion dollars. We're not talking about five five point five billion. Excuse me, five point five billion dollars. It wasn't a huge amount of money in stock trading terms. That shouldn't have caused the market to sit there and fall down like it did. This again, as as, as Oscar talked about, the lack of liquidity out there is just it, the liquidity is starting to dry up. So when you're seeing these people come in and do stuff. It's causing big drops. You've seen some of these companies come up with great earnings. The stock gaps up 4% as soon as the market opens and then starts selling down underneath that. That's lack of liquidity, lack of buyers, lack of sellers. And so once the selling starts in this market, it's going to be a very precipitous drop because the money is not there. Liquidity is moving away from this market. And that's a very dangerous situation. That's something we want to continue to watch. So... Anyway, uh, those are a couple things. Uh, we, this is a live show. You can call us at 713-339-1070. By the way, if you've not signed up for that free Max Out Savings Report, go to the website, maxoutsavings.com. We're going to put out our new report next week talking about a lot of these issues. It's maxoutsavingswithans.com.
This is Ted Gioka, host of the Max Out Savings Show, one of Houston's most popular financial radio shows, celebrating over a decade on the air in Houston, Texas. With stocks at record high valuations and interest rates near record lows, you need to have your guard up. You need to have a plan to manage risk to your retirement. Do you? At Max Out Savings Advisors, we have a risk-based value investing approach to your retirement. If you would like some help managing your retirement, go to MaxOutSavings.com to set up an appointment. That's MaxOutSavings.com. Downtime with your family? That's good. Downtime for your hydraulics-enabled equipment? Not so good. Cranes, specialized haulers, bucket and digger trucks. When they're not working, you're losing ground and money. South Coast Hydraulics can monitor, service, and repair the hydraulic systems that keep your equipment working. South Coast can design and install hydraulic systems for mobile and industrial applications, tool or press systems, complete manufacturing lines. When you think hydraulics, think South Coast Hydraulics. SCHydraulics.com. Hi, I'm Sam Malone. You know me as the host of the morning show right here on AM 1070, The Answer. But I'm also the owner of Houston's cutting-edge media company called 512 New Media. At 512 New Media, we create amazing videos that companies use on their websites, telling their story in bold colors with exciting animation and graphics. At 512 New Media, we also shoot television commercials and instructional videos. And if you want to show off your business from the air, we're ready to go with our drone video aircraft. Let us help you create your media message. We're online at 512newmedia.com or call 281-822-8803. 512 New Media is Houston's only media creation and distribution company that's actually owned by someone who's currently on the air. And that gives us an incredible edge when creating content for consumers to use on their laptops, tablets, and smartphones. Standing by to create your message, we're 512 New Media, 512newmedia.com. The Max Out Saving Show returns now with your host, Ted Gioka. Welcome back to the Max Out Saving Show. If you've not gone to our website and signed up for the free Max Out Savings Report, now's the time to do it. It's maxoutsavings.com. That's maxoutsavings.com. If you need some help with your retirement, coming up on retirement, uh, give us a call or just go to the website, maxoutsavings.com, and you can request an appointment with me, and I'll sit down with you, and we'll go over your financial situation and see how you're set for retirement. The Where to go from here? Uh, a couple things here. The, uh, you know, one interesting thing, I'm just going to drift over into politics again one more time. But uh, one day, I, I, I said earlier in the show, I've noticed this week a few things. I, th- I felt like this week was really a seismic change in a number of areas. The, uh, we, really, we really saw politicians are really standing up to China for the first time. Uh, we really aren't, and I've not seen that happen for a long time. Uh, by the way, the Chinese, de- the the U.S. delegation to China came back. They've agreed to talk some more. As we anticipated, this is a tougher negotiation than people realized. Uh, we really have to change their their way of doing business, and that's going to be very very difficult. Uh, I have a story here: a flood of te- trademark applications from China alert, uh, alarms U.S. officials, and what they're doing is they're trademarking all types of names. And sending them over to the U.S. because China is subsidizing companies trademarking or 
doing intellectual uh, applications overseas to try to get, since we're the intellectual leader of intellectual property, they're not trying to catch up. So China's trying to subsidize that, and they're flooding the U.S. market with these type of things. And, and, and this is the, I mean, China is not going to book us any quarter in, 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 the, in, in the race for global dominance. I mean, they, they plan to be at the top, and they're going to do whatever it takes to get there, and it's incumbent on us to stand up to them and stand up for the American people. So it, it's going to be a battle, and we're going to go back and forth on it. But we, we you know, the people, for one of the things that kind of was swept under the rug is, is and one thing that Trump kind of laid low and didn't say anything after, after the talks kind of ended in failure, uh, I, I think they expected them to, was it, rather than incite things, they just came back quietly, and they're, they're going to talk some more. They gave them a list of, uh, of a number of demands the United States wants from China, but they figured rather than really pointing it out to everyone, they would just lay low and not even release the list. I think the list was released by China. So I think we're making progress on China, but it's taking time. The other thing is uh, the, the special investigation by uh, the, the, the special counsel, investigator, whatever the hell he's called, uh, Mueller, has really gone off track. In But I tell you what really fundamentally big change this week is what what happened this week is a lot of stuff came out that really it's pretty clear to before this was kind of like there was Russian collusion. The Democrats say the Republicans say, no, this is a witch hunt. And then they would say, no, it's Russian. What's changed now is the American people are fed up with this investigation. They now view it as a threat to their country. Uh, I, I really genuinely believe that. And I, I believe a lot of including senior people out there now believe that Mueller is almost as big a threat to the United States and the constitutional order as Osama bin Laden. And it, it, you know, if every time we elect the president, we have a special prosecutor that starts looking under every rock to try to take down the president, this country will never, ever, it's going to fail and collapse and break up. And this guy is clearly out of control. I, I can't tell you how many times this week I heard on the radio and TV and talking to the people the word treason used, uh, which was shocking. I can't tell you how many times people were concerned about how this was reflecting on the United States, how it was damaging United States interests in damaging the American people and how they felt like it was a threat to the Constitution. And, and I think I think this has kind of gone from a you know political argument to a, a, a very large chunk of the American people people viewing special prosecutor Mueller as a material threat to the United to the actual United States of America itself. They view him as a biased uh, person that's out to get the president. I mean, even the we had a federal judge make some insinuations on that with very senior people make. And the, we had people on TV and radio use the word treason numerous times, political protest numerous times was being suddenly called up. And, and really, I think it t- t- really took a turn for the worst as far as the American people. I think, and, and I think this is something we want to watch. I mean, it, it kind of has gone from a political argument to what a large chunk of the people view this as a genuine threat to the constitutional order of the United States of America. And that is, that is a very dangerous thing. And and so we'll see how it goes. But, it, you know, and, and I, I don't think he, I, I, I they, the American people really appear to be turning against him right now. I think they're willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, see what he could come up with. But the real turning point appeared to be when it came out that supposedly he was wiretapping 
phone calls between the president and his lawyer, which is a violation on on so many basic levels of constitutionality and law. It's it's almost frightening in the presidential order that in the, it was so bad that NBC had to walk it or CBS, whoever had it, had to walk it back and said, no, they were just looking at the logs because that was the turning point in this whole thing for him. And it was a mistake for them to leak that stuff out. So uh, anyway, that's something to think about. Uh, couple of interesting things. Goldman Sachs this week had had, had some uh, remarks on the fangs, which is your Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, your big tech companies. And uh, the, the fang represents 27% of the NASDAQ or the QQQs. That's double the level of 2013. And they said, look, it, 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 tech is now accounted for about 73% of the move up in the S&P 500 last year. And it tech is 26% of all large cap mutual funds. If you invest in a large cap mutual fund, you're 26% invested in tech. So if you say, look, I'm not in these fangs, don't worry about me. No, if you're in if you're in the SPX or the or, or an index fund or an S&P 500 index fund, uh, it's about you're about 25% of the S&P 500. So you're 25% in technology. If you're a hedge fund. You know, these guys are much smarter than everybody else, and so they're more diversified in different areas. No, you're still 24% in technology. So he said, okay, Ted, well, that's the growing area. The future is technology. Well, in the 1980s, the future was uh, energy. Remember the, the shortages? We needed more oil. So energy was 26% of the S&P 500, so, which is about where tech is now. In, in 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 1999, it was technology. This was it was it. The internet was coming out. We had you know Facebook, uh, not Facebook. It was Google and Microsoft and uh, Cisco and uh, Netscape and some of these things don't even. A lot of these big companies don't even exist anymore. It was 35 percent of the S and P 500. And then in 2007, it was that the housing boom, everything was going to be financial companies where everyone was taking on debt, buying houses, and it was really exciting, 22% of the S&P 500, okay? Now, what Goldman said is these four instances of uh, actually three instances in the past resulted in a 50% decline in the sector, which means energy in the 80s fell 50%, tech fell 50% in 1999, and in 2007, the financials fell over 50%. All of them fell over 50%. And they underperformed the S&P 500 by 30%, which means, so you have to understand, you know, the technology, look, can technology roar higher? Possibly, yes. But, uh, you know the uh, we'll have to see, but I, I don't think so. So understand that if you're invested in, in the S and P 500, if you're invested in a large cap mutual fund, you're heavily invested in the Fang, and so we'll have to watch the Fang. Uh, I, I think the Fangs when 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 the Nasdaq breaks underneath the you know it, it's 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 back up above the 50 day. We'll have to see when it breaks back below that. Uh, I you know I, I think that's when you want to watch it. The others are all under the 50 day. Uh, but it's something to think about. Now, here's an interesting thing. We talked about Exxon earlier. Exxon, you know, pretty reasonably priced. Right now, energy is at 6% of the S&P 500. Now, the record low was 5.5%. 
So based on what Goldman Sachs research just came up with, you know, do you want to be in technology for the next two or three years or you want to be in energy for the next two or three years? Something to think about. Now, tell you what, coming at the very end of the show, if you want to get in with a question or comment, 713-339-1070. Are you putting away enough? Our our motto and our philosophy is to save aggressively and invest conservatively. That's the key to building up wealth. And, And the question is, are you putting away enough for retirement? You can, if in your four hundred one k plan, you can put away up to eighteen thousand five hundred dollars a year, or twenty four thousand five hundred if you're over the age of fifty. And if you're not up at the levels where you need to be for retirement, now's kind of the time to kind of push it up and try to get some more money coming in for retirement. So just remember our motto and our philosophy: it's to save aggressively and invest conservatively. That's the key to building up wealth over the long term. So anyway, um, this week, the market, it came back up on on Thursday. Looks like it was going to break down under the 2600 number. It came back up the key number we talked about. The question is, I I still think it breaks down. There is a good case that it goes up one more time. You get a little more bullish if the the S&P goes above the the 50-day. Really, I, I think you still have got to have an enormous amount of caution because there's just too many people watching this market. And that's what causes these huge moves up uh, overall on, on it. And, you know, you're really looking 2681. It, it, it's got to open another 23 points for a breakout. And then you could still, I, I still think I, in the process of topping, I think it's breaking down. I think we're going to have some type of crisis related to China, corporate debt, and in uh, currencies. And, and so this is something we want to watch. The, the dollar is really in the last month or so has really gone up. Uh, and, and I think that bears watching. That's not good for emerging markets. And it's not good for a lot of U.S. companies that export overseas because it puts pressure on on their profits. So, I mean, I think this is something we'll have to watch. But over the last two weeks, we've had a huge, really started about three weeks ago, a, a, a good size rally from 89 up to 92, about three, three and a quarter percent increase on the U.S. dollar. And that's a big move. And so we'll have to watch and see what happens here on that. Now, another interesting thing coming out, there's an election coming up uh, in Mexico, and the leader is Andreas Manuel Lopez uh, Obrador. And uh, Mr. Obrador is a leftist candidate. One of his his, uh, advisors said, look, the the Mexican companies will get along and work with us because if they don't, we'll basically take them over. And and so the question is, are you going to have a socialist in Mexico in the future? Now, look, the truth of the matter is it's Mexico. What Mexico wants to do with their country is Mexico's business. If they want to elect a socialist, that's their business, no problem. But if Mexico were able to do that and he turns out to be a radical socialist like the guy in Venezuela, you know, we could have problems. In Venezuela, Brazil is being flooded by Venezuelans because they can't afford to eat. Their actually weight has dropped in Venezuela because there's no food in the country. They've lost eight pounds on an average. I've never heard of something like that because the country's in a state of collapse because of the socialist government in Venezuela. If we're sitting there with an open border to, on, on our Mexican border, an open border, there's 127 million people in Mexico. 
if just 10% of the, that's 12, 13 million people will come flooding across the border. If, if a socialist gets in power and wrecks the country, it could be 20% of the population decide to move. It's 30 million people could pour in. With, with the possibility of a leftist socialist coming into Mexico, the country could destabilize. And it's more important than ever that we have that border wall in place in a secure border to prevent a flood of Mexicans fleeing Mexico if the, if, if the Mexican state were to collapse like it did in Venezuela. If it goes like Venezuela, you, you could see 15% of the population at a minimum try to come into the United States. That is that you're looking at 20 million people. So something to think about, uh, again, if you're running the United States, you have to plan for the future and, 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 and look into the future and see things. Just like with your 401k and your retirement, you got to plan for the future. Wall Street basically is trying to just hit next week's earnings number, next quarter. You've got to plan for the future if you want to have that money to last 25 or 30 years. If you need some help, go to the website, maxoutsavings.com. That's maxoutsavings.com. And uh, sign up for our free report, or you can sign up for a sit-down with me, and I'll go over your financial situation. Anyway, if you need some help, go to our website, maxoutsavings.com. Thanks for listening to the Max Out Savings Show, and remember our motto and philosophy is to save aggressively, invest conservatively. This has been the Max Out Savings Show with Ted Gioka, a presentation of Max Out Savings Advisors. Join us next Saturday at 10 a.m. for the Max Out Savings Show with Ted Gioka on AM 1070. The answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.